All right, joining us now from Georgia Public Radio is Susanna Capaluda, who has been covering some events down there related to, uh, well, I guess the battle between creationism and evolution in textbooks. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Susanna. Uh, glad to be here. Now, what the story here is that they that I guess the Supreme Court has never really ruled against creationism, but it's let some lower court rulings stand. Is that your understanding? I'm a little unclear on it. Well, not really in that regard. And this trial was more about a sticker in a textbook than creationism versus uh, evolution. Right. The plaintiffs wanted to make it, but the judge did not allow that to go there. I mean, they they really had hoped that they could, you know, make it a case where they could bring up evidence and re- present scientists and really make it sort of the Scopes Monkey trial, you know. Yeah, but part two. The judge just did not, in pretrial motions, they were not allowed to go there. They could only argue on their sticker itself, which is a sticker that basically says evolution is a theory, not a fact. Right. And that students should consider it carefully. Right. And they they very much specifically left it there. Um, in terms of the Supreme Court ruling, I mean, they're still, you know, I guess someone has said um, the jury is still out on this. <laughs> whether, <laughs> whether you know, cre- uh, evolution happened, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know exactly those court standings. Well, I guess the ACLU argued that putting a warning sticker does amount to a government endorsement of creationism. They said it opens the door for discussion of religion. That, that's the point they argued. While the sticker itself never says the word Jesus or doesn't say anything about, you know, resurrection or something. I mean, it, it says, you know, students should keep an open mind. And the school board argued this just means that you have to be tolerant of students who might come into the class and say, well, but I think the earth was created in six days. Mm-hmm. Um, how can this be? And that the teachers then should just sort of show tolerance towards those students and basically say, well, the philosophy club meets at 2 p.m., go there. Uh-huh. But, you know, they can't, discuss, they can't teach creationism or they can't teach any of these other forms in these Cobb County schools. The ACLU had argued, no, it is not. It basically allows these students to come in and bring Sunday school material into the classroom, and which has happened in Cobb County, and say, you know, how about this? And they, they challenge the teachers. Um, and so in that sense, they say that they are opening the door for teaching religion. But the school board says it has a policy in place that says evolution must be taught. Right. However, they also have the sticker in the books, but the sticker, they say, does not contradict their policy. Are you going to go on record as what you think is likely to happen from the court? It's kind of hard to tell. The judge asked very few questions. Now, he did the, the few questions he asked had to do with the fact that why was evolution singled out? Now, I think he asked one of the school board members who voted for the sticker, he asked him, why did you single out evolution? Why is there only a sticker for evolution? And the school board member said, well, the parents brought it to us. We didn't start it. The parents wanted it, which was basically a group of Christian parents that had collected like some 2,000 signatures. And it's hard to say, you know, how he will rule if he, because he's not really going to go into this whole thing of creationism or any other philosophy versus evolution should be taught. Well, it'll be an interesting ruling one way or the other, and I Absolutely. think the eyes of the nation will be upon uh, upon uh, the Cobb County School District in the courts. Right. I wonder whether there'll be any issue over a, a, a sticker for the astronomy text about whether the sun goes around the earth or the other way around. Um, don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of jokes going around here now with that. I mean, someone emailed me sort of a list of um, sticker possibilities, you know. <laughs> amazing that one of them says um 
this textbook contains material about special relativity, you know, and that's, right. I mean, that you can do a sticker, I guess, on anything if it's a theory, which was also the thing in the core that came out was sort of this difference between a scientific theory and just a theory. You know, the right. sticker only says evolution is a theory, not a fact, but it doesn't say evolution is a scientific theory, right. which some argued in court would be something completely different than, you know, it's just something made up. Susanna, thanks for talking with us. I hope that you can talk to us again about this because, like I say, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting subject for the whole nation. We hope to see a ruling before the end of the year, but who knows? It's federal court. All right. Scopes, 2004. (laughs) Great, Doug. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. We've only got a few minutes left, and I've got so many topics I want to cover, I just can't do them all. Um, Well, how about Colin Powell? Colin Powell, uh, no surprise, we, I think, predicted on this show that uh, he wouldn't be around much longer, and indeed, he's now been giving his, given his walking papers. My personal reaction is a good riddance, even though Condoleezza Rice is not a step in the right direction, but Colin Powell, I've never understood his enduring popularity with the American uh, public. When, you know, he has been a team player, a cover-up kind of guy, a, uh, a guy that in Vietnam was burning down villages because that's what people were doing when they were in Vietnam. Um, a guy who went before the um, the UN and, and lied basically last year. He's not a stupid guy. He knew he was lying. I don't know whether anybody from Taiwan helped grease the skids for Colin Powell when he said uh, last month that there's only one China, and that Taiwan does not enjoy sovereignty as a nation. Because um, you know the Taiwanese made an awful lot of contributions over the years. But if you saw that show on Walmart on uh, PBS Tuesday night, uh, you know that. Um, Trade with China and trade between American business people and the Chinese government, uh, the Chinese communist government, is so overwhelming at this point um, that that is reality. Colin Powell speaking the truth. It's going to be one China, and I don't know what point Taiwan's going to be absorbed, but I think their days are probably numbered. Do some science here. Uh, uh, Dr. Howard McKinney will be returning to the program in the weeks to come as we talk about some uh, startling breakthroughs in anti-obesity and drug abuse uh, that has to do with endocannabinoids, Uh, basically drugs that came out of marijuana research. Um, The DEA and others have claimed wrongly for years that there will be no medical value to, uh, to marijuana, and this is going to turn out to be startlingly wrong. We're looking forward to talking to Dr. McKinney about that. And um, an item here that's been uh, that's been in this, the back pages uh, of, of the papers and, and getting a fair amount of attention, but I don't think perhaps, perhaps as much as it deserves, is the fact that people like um, Dr. Dina Dell, who does a hell of a good medical call-in program over at KGO. Actually, it's a national program. Dr. Dell and others have been scoffing over Gulf War Syndrome, this is uh, people who were exposed to chemicals, it now turns out. The evidence is, 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 is accruing that, um, that it's not wartime stress. It's not psychiatric illness. That there are several different syndromes that can now be consistently related to battlefield exposure to toxic chemicals. This took place during the first Gulf War in the early 90s. And um, talking to people, I always, I always thought that was, this was true. The story here is, that, that here is in June, a congressional inquiry found that far more Gulf troops than previously admitted, possibly all of them, had been exposed to nerve gas from bombed Iraqi weapons dumps. 
The issue, uh, you know, to forgive Dr. Dean Adele and others, uh, the issue was confused by the just the, the, the multiple of symptoms that were attributed to so-called Gulf War syndrome. Well, with further digging, it turns out that some of them do seem to be consistent. They do hold water, and there is a pattern here of exposure that is suggestive. I think we're going to figure this out, um, you know, in the, in the next few years. But, uh, you know, I am a physician in real life, and I had patients come in years ago that just looked at me and said, Doc, will you look into this? There is something here. I've, I've, I'm, I've been in good health my whole life, but I was exposed to something over there that I have not been right since, and, and please look into it. Well, I, I haven't looked into it personally, but I've always believed he was correct, and now it appears that um, the evidence is there. There is a bit of a genetic component to it. Certain people um, who had the right, or in this case the wrong genes, are more susceptible to this injury, but um, uh, we're going to understand a lot more about this in, in, uh, you know, in, in the months and years to come. And speaking of weapons of mass destruction, which, uh, of course, chemical weapons are, uh, let's uh, close the show today with uh, a look at a World Health Organization recommendation that is um, uh, sending shockwaves throughout the scientific community of the world. Apparently, a uh, WHO committee recommended that researchers be permitted to conduct genetic engineering experiments with the smallpox virus. The theory being it'll better able to combat a disease that's considered a leading bioterror threat, even though it was publicly eradicated 25 years ago. This is probably nuts, even though it's been called absolutely the right decision by Dr. Ken Alibek. Dr. Alibek is a former top scientist in the Soviet biological weapons program who said that the Soviets covertly developed smallpox as a weapon in the 1980s. Well, Ken Alibek seems to always turn up when you go to look at uh, all these efforts to explore what's been done in, um, in bioweapons. Alibek's made a lot of claims about what the Soviets did that, that as far as I know, have in, in, in many cases not been substantiated. Um, the, the record of uh, medical science against infectious disease so far stands at, you know, uh, virtual infinity for, uh, for disease, one for medical science, one disease has so far been eliminated from the face of the earth. That is smallpox. It exists only in a few labs. Uh, there are issues of, uh, you know, questions of did it get out? Has it been sold to people? Well, there's no credible evidence. I looked into this and, and discovered there was no credible evidence that Saddam Hussein or anybody else had smallpox prior to our invasion of Iraq. Let's just say I have my doubts as to whether this is a good idea, and uh, and it seems most of the world scientists agree that yeah, taking smallpox out and tinkering with it um, is a recipe for disaster. We should note in closing, it's not so much a um, a medical uh, committee recommendation as, um, according to WHO spokesman Dick Thompson, it will be a political decision. That's it for today's program. We'd like to thank Robert Perry and Susanna Capaluto for speaking with us today. We hope that uh, they will both return to the program. This is Radio Parallax. The show was produced, as always, by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. Next week's show is our annual Thanksgiving program, where we like to go back and pull out some favorites, uh, some favorites from past shows for your listening pleasure. I know a lot of you will be by a, uh, a radio because a lot of people have to work on Thanksgiving. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Stay tuned for Todd. <laughs>